a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, during the past several election cycles, uh, polls have overestimated some places, underestimated others. Now, as the midterms are only 48 days away, uh, some analysts are concerned that the polls may be wrong yet again. And, of course, when we look at polls, we're always trying to figure out not just what the top line is, but what's behind the headline. And digging in just a little deeper, how are they asking the questions? Are they even asking the right questions? So how can we find the poll that will really count and give us a clear picture of what's to come? And uh, there is a fantastic article in Politico are the polls wrong is the wrong question. And I love that <laughs> as a starting point. Steve Claremont's the polling director at Change Research. And you're speaking my language here, Stephen, uh, where everybody's looking at the polls. Everyone's trying to figure out the polls coming down the home stretch of a midterm. Uh, tell us what we should actually be looking at. What's the reality in terms of polling this time around? Um, well, thank you for that. And I'll just um, I, I'd love to answer these questions and just to give you a sense, my company, Change Research, has been sort of built on that polling needs to change, and we do all of our survey responses online um, using digital ads and SMS for people to participate, and conducted over 2,000 polls and surveyed over 3 million people in the last five years. And I think the thing is, when, when people are looking at a poll and people are talking about, like, a Democrat is a six-point lead, they're leading 48-42, or are they leading by 3.4643? And the assumption is, it's just like, when the, sort of the polls are wrong, assumption is, if a Republican ends up winning, it's that the undecided voters should split the same way that the um, decided voters have. Mm. And that's never the case. And part of, like, when I've gone back and looked at this and looked at what, like, we've been measuring in polls and, um Usually polls, when you look at polling averages, look sort of at the flow of numbers, particularly in statewide contests for president and U.S. Senate, um, is the Democrat is, it estimates the Democrat pretty well. The undecided Republicans, Trump and Republican Senate candidates, polls sometimes underestimate them. But I think a big part of that is people make up their mind late and undecided voters are largely people that don't like either party. And you have to look at the context of the individual race and recent history to know that it's, if you haven't really voted Democrat in, a, in, in your life at all or recently, um, you're looking for reasons and you're undecided about the Republican. You're looking for reasons to move. And a lot of times that just 
the campaign doesn't play out that way and it doesn't happen. Mm. So it's not so much that polls are systematically underestimating Republicans. It's just there are some people that make up their mind late, and those people usually are they, – they don't identify as Democrats. They don't identify as liberal or even moderate, um, and they're looking for where they want to go, and ultimately um, they don't break Democratic. So it looks like the polls are really wrong, but if you're looking at this, the Democrats at 48, 49, 50 – they're usually going to win, and they have in recent years. Mm-hmm. It's the Democrats that's at 44, 45, 46, where the race is interpreted as, oh, it's really close. It's 46, 45, 46, 44. Usually the, that means the Democrat isn't going to probably win. Mm. And, but you have to look at these individually because the political environment, the, what's happening in the individual race, the individual candidate matters. And sort of what frustrates me is that data aggregators and people apply all these formulas from past elections saying that this is going to happen in this election when we know 2022 is the issues are different, the environment's different. There's a lot of stuff going on now that really hasn't happened in recent, um, yeah. in recent politics, and we've got to account for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and all of this is so fascinating. We're going to continue to dig into this uh, over the next 48 days as we look at all of that. You ha- you come up with uh, two specific questions that we all should be keeping in mind. Uh, the two questions that really matter when we're looking at the numbers uh, coming down the home stretch of a race. Um, yeah, it's and I'll put this in the context of Utah. It's you have a U.S. Senate race where there's an incumbent, Mike Lee, who you used to work for. And I think the, the first question for any incumbent is, is there a reason that voters are going to vote against me? And for Mike Lee, you can see sort of tepid job approval ratings, tepid favorability, um, some doubts. And most U.S. senators really aren't that popular in, in they aren't that popular, usually aren't that unpopular. And um, the next question is, is the alternative a reasonable alternative? And I, I would argue, and the polls argue this, that that question hasn't been answered. I think there's mm-hmm. been some polls showing Evan McMullen close, other polls that show him far away. He is different than um, sort of a normal Democrat versus Republican race in a state like Utah, where a Democrat really wouldn't be competitive. But the fact that it's close doesn't mean that Mike Lee is doomed or Evan McMullen's going to win. It means there's a lot of work that needs to be done by both campaigns to answer that last question, is Evan McMullen a suitable alternative? Um, the Mike Lee campaign is going to run basically a campaign saying that's no, and Evan McMullen's going to do the opposite. Um, but that question is like polls aren't really going to answer that right. until the final final week, if if at all. I yeah. think it's like the the numbers are going to be probably very different um, from any pre-election poll, and we. Sh- honestly should expect them to be. Yeah, and I think that's a critical thing as well, that we should expect them to be different, uh, and we have to approach that just a little bit different. There's, we, there's so many that get so caught up uh, in the, the day-to-day horse race numbers and, and all of that, and, and often it's missing the, the real questions uh, and, and those two specific that you, uh, that you point out in the piece on Politico. Uh, before I let you go, Stephen, uh, talk to us just kind of broadly across the country as you're looking at these races, as your organization continues to do polling a little different uh, as things continue to evolve. Are there any underlying things that you're seeing that either a message that's getting traction, a message that just isn't working? Uh, what are you guys seeing and sensing out there? 
Um, I think the thing, I, no surprise, the, the Dobbs decision has really changed um, motivation for Democrats. Um, we ask it in most of our polls, like, how motivated are you to vote on a zero to 10 scale? And for most of the last year, we've been able to see in states and congressional districts, like a 10-point motivation gap on people saying it's a 10. I'm very motivated to vote. That has closed. Um, it's In some cases, there's no motivation gap at all. Um, young voters are the least motivated, but um, they are also the ones that have been most activated by Dobbs. We did a poll for a group public-wise of 18 to 29-year-olds when the leak the leak decision happened midway through where young voters before very few mentioned abortion, women's rights as one of the key issues for them. Um, over 50% afterwards named that open end that that's the most important thing. Mm. Um, that has been the key thing. I think, I think the other thing that's kind of nerve wracking, I think for both sides is that the Democrats in the key Senate races in Georgia, Nevada, um, New Hampshire and Arizona, the ones that Democrats need to hold to keep control of the Senate. Mark Kelly's pretty close to 50 percent consistently. Um, and Maggie Hassan has been pretty close to 50 percent. I think the numbers for Kathleen Cortez Masto and Raphael Warnock have really been sort of in the mid 40, bounce around in the mid 40s. And that's kind of stressful. I think for governor's races, the same thing. There aren't a lot of Republicans that are polling at 50 but there's a lot of Democrats for governor across the country that are sort of in the high 40s, um, Michelle Lujan Grisham for one, where you sort of look at it and you can see, okay, this governor is leading by six or seven points, but they're not at 50. And there's too much uncertainty given the low approval rating of the president, the persistent inflation and all these other factors for us to have a really clear sense on where these races are going, Yeah, which is new. This is yeah. There's some midterm cycles that are close elections, some that are waves, and this is going to be a close election. Yeah. Uh, great insight. Stephen Claremont, polling director at Change Research. Uh, really some important things. Check it out at politico.com. It's a fantastic piece. And we'll get you thinking again uh, about how you look at the numbers uh, in all these polls that are going to come flying at us over the next 48 days. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back. Thank you so much. All right. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, fall's in the air. Winter's on its way. We're going to talk about mental health. And preparation in the mental health space coming up next. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.